Hey everyone, this is Nick with Ponytails Podcast, your co-host. Andres was gone for this one, but uh, we've got a really great episode with Whitney Armstrong. She's a good friend of mine um, who we both grew up in the book business together, so you'll get to hear about her first couple summers and how she really grew from someone that was a little less than pleasant to someone who um, has a huge heart for people. Um, you know, her last two summers, she kind of struggled with, you know, things going on in her life, and so she really learned lessons of how to take care of herself over time. So she shares a lot of wisdom on how to do that. Um, she went off to work with GEC, one of the sister companies in Southwestern, and even um, joined up with those selling Vivint. And uh, she really changed their culture um, to be more inclusive of women. So shout out to Whitney for being a badass for that. Um, and now she's getting into, back into the Southwestern world in coaching high school students and those around that age. Um, so she has a really awesome story. Um, it was really great to reconnect with her. Um, if you ever want someone awesome in your life who's going to care about you and, and be a good friend, reach out to Whitney, form a relationship. Um, she's awesome. She's one of the best people that I got to know in the book business, and I'm glad that she's in my life. So welcome to her story. Enjoy this episode. Um, real quick plug, follow us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all our, our different streaming platforms. Instagram is a great place to get announcements, you know, check out our story for upcoming episodes, that kind of deal. Um, and also check out our little Bizzler thing that we got going on. Um, find out more of how we are really bringing this alumni network to life uh, because there's so much goodness to be had making all these connections as Whitney and I talk about in this episode. So Enjoy episode 61. Happy listening. We'll catch you for the next one. Welcome everyone to Ponytails podcast episode number 61. Um, we're super excited to have Whitney in the house. Whitney Armstrong um, from the great state of Iowa. Um, where are you located right now? Are you still in St. Louis? We're in St. Louis now. Yep. Cool. Cool. But uh, yeah, I've been looking forward to this episode for a while because Whitney and I grew up in the book business together. You know, same first summer. Um, you also put in four summers, right? Just like me. So yeah, we were able to, you know, kind of motivate each other throughout the years and, you know, hold each other accountable and really just, um, you know, it, it's crazy to think about how much has happened since that first summer. So um, Whitney's awesome. She uh, recruited, you know, some really top producing first years and, um, you know, did some impressive stuff herself, was a top for first year herself that first summer in 2013 in Louisiana, right? It was so funny. I remember uh, meeting you at sales school and then the summer happened. I went to Massachusetts for that first summer and I was like, ah, this is miserable. Everybody hates everybody out here. And then I come back for checkout and we happen to have like a unique checkout uh, compared to everybody else. And you were there and you were just like, oh my gosh, you're giving me a hug. Like, Nick, it's so good to see you. And I'm just like, who is this person? You look totally different. You had like your sun bleached hair and you had a, like a nose ring. And I'm like, oh, that's Whitney. That's yeah. Whitney from sales school. That's so cool. And you, you grew a ton. You helped a ton of families out. And um, yeah, you've, you've grown a ton since then. It's, it's always a pleasure to catch up with you, Whitney. And I'm happy to have you on here. So welcome. I'm so happy to be here with you, Nick. I, I'm just really happy you guys are doing this. So to even be invited has been like an honor, but mostly I just want to hang out with you. I'm pretty stoked to catch up. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, because the last time we hung out was like in Denver when you were trying to help build things with like high school, um, high school consulting, right? With Southwestern a little bit. 
yeah we can talk about that one later but yeah it's oh, like yeah. high school uh coaching i guess if you want to call it high school coaching yeah i'm sure it'll come <laughs> up as we chat yeah oh yeah but uh yeah it's exciting to to catch up about everything else that's happened since then but let's start at the very start shall we let's hear about how you got recruited by that one tall guy over there in northern iowa and uh let's hear your story of that first summer so take it wherever you'd like okay well i actually had this thought cross my mind the other day and was pretty uh i kind of forgot how i got started in southwestern until i knew i was coming on here and had to think about it so obviously i was a i was a college survey uh person like that nice. you know i didn't I didn't just take it upon myself to do this job. Like I was definitely a survey. Um, but just to give you a little background. So I grew up in Iowa, <clears throat> very small town, went to college at the smallest of the, you know, three state schools. So like, I was not really um, one to like branch out, if you will. Like that was, that was a big out of my comfort zone thing from the very beginning, even just going to college. And so I, you know, did my little family services major and was going to just go and be like a, you know, social work person or help, help kids, um, you know, through divorces and things like that. That was kind of my plan. And so I was taking a lot of classes that had a lot of, a lot to do with like psychology and child development and, you know, things like that. So you wouldn't anticipate a business internship or really like a, how to start a business. <laughs> like you would not anticipate that being a thing that you would learn about in those types of classes. So already it's kind of a fluke, but anyway, so I'm sitting in class one day and mind you, it's my human sexuality class. So as you can imagine, it's like sex ed for college students. Literally you sit there, it's a required class for what we, you know, for my major, but to put it into context, like the vibe of this class is like 200 people and everybody shows up late because they don't care. It's just like a class, you know, the, the professor is like the goofy, short, weird guy, like a wonderful, you know, human, but just like kind of weird. And the week before the survey came out in my class, to put it into perspective, we had a panel of like every walk of life person with every type of sexuality you could imagine. <laughs> and like, and then the week after this, just like, we're going to, we're just going to go all out of this podcast, Nick. I'm just going to tell you, like, like literally- my professor brought a, and I'm not kidding, like a dildo and like stuck it to the wall in the class. So like, that's the class that I was in when I learned about Southwestern. So <laughs> just to like set the tone for my okay. experience, that's where I was. So, um, so anyway, I show up, I show up to all my classes on time. That was my thing, but I had a dorm partner, like that lived right next door to me in my dorm that would always show up late. And so I was sitting there and mind you, the panel had just left the day before and here we are in this class again and we're just kind of sitting there and this guy walks in and in like a three piece suit and he's a thousand feet tall. And so a thousand like, and one, please. Yeah, literally he's a skyscraper. And so all of us are just watching this guy like try to wrangle in the cats of our class, like try to make us focus so we do the survey. And I'm just like, what is this homeboy doing? Like he is so out of place. Like. What, you know, so automatically I'm skeptical. So then, and then he starts talking about the, like this, uh, you know, this whole internship, oh, you know, leave Iowa for the summer, make a lot of money, you know, make friends, like all this stuff. And it sounded really good. And I kind of wanted to know more, but I was definitely skeptical. And I was like, I don't think so. And then as he's talking, my dorm partner shows up, sits next to me. She's like, what's this guy talking about? And I'm like, oh, 
he just, you know, he's selling us like this internship opportunity, whatever. And she's like, oh, okay. She's like, well, he's hot. I'm going to do it. And signed her name on her little survey. And he's, and I was like, what? Like, what are you talking about? You don't know anything about this. And she's like, no, like, if anything, he's going to call me. I'm going to have his number. Like, I'm going to do this. And I was like, oh, my that's God. so funny. <laughs> and so, so it was a weird moment for me because I'm like, man, I, maybe this isn't a big deal. Like it wouldn't suck to get information. So like, if she's doing it, I'll do it. You know, why not? So I wrote her name down and we turned it in a couple days or whatever, go by and Brandon calls. And now you guys, I don't know if he's been on your podcast yet, Nick or not. He's episode three. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. So the infamous Brandon Q that everybody knows, um, called and I got to go and sit through an info session with the one and only Anthony Merkel and the rest is history. So can't say no to Anthony what, Merkel. <laughs> yeah. What was like your impression of like learning about that? Uh, like yeah. about Southwestern in general. Yeah, especially with like what you thought your career path was going to be and how it's like, yeah, it's business, sales, door-to-door books, you know, <laughs> in Louisiana. Yeah. So, okay. So they, they totally, I, I was a total sucker from the beginning because they got me in that room. I was early, which is always like how they get you. Like if you're early, you will sign up for, you know, like your notebook or whatever. Oh yeah. So, or, or for the interview. So I, um, I got there early. Anthony was there super animated awesome guy like Anthony Merkel to this day is one of my favorite people he's just such a good person and also so warm like such a dad vibe but also like really funny like cool like a dad like that and so I just remember sitting there and um he was you know just shooting the stuff about Iowa like oh Iowa like what's it I'm from Missouri like I play hockey I'm so cool I do all these cool things and but he made me feel so special which is the that's the hook right because he like he spent so much time talking to me and then everybody showed up and then all throughout the presentation he did talk to me like the whole time he like pointed it out to me like how would this work for your life how would you do it this life so at the time in my young like naive brain I was like wow this is so I'm wow what a great guy you know which he is um, but I, I just totally didn't even see through it. I was like, yeah, this is great. Like I should do this. I'm special. Let me sign up. Right. And so that's my experience. <laughs> like learning about Southwestern was great. The opportunity sounded great. I remember being really scared and nervous that, um, I wouldn't get picked. Um, cause they made it very, very like, Oh, we don't accept everybody. <laughs> um, and then, yeah. And that, yeah, that's, that's it. I just remember being nervous. I wouldn't get picked. Yeah, that's how they make you feel when they do it right. Otherwise, it's oh, like, yeah. man, they're desperate to <laughs> sign me up for this job, right? And that's how, like, as you know, the yeah. years went on when we would recruit people, it's like people would run away. Ah, oh, books, that was crazy. Yeah, oh, that's so exactly. funny. Yeah, shout out Anthony Merkel. Um, he and I are the reigning force Frizzler, frozen sizzler beer pong champs. Um, so that'll that'll be cemented in history right there. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. anyway um so you, you went to Louisiana that first summer tell us about how that well unless you want to share about like sales school because that's where I first met you um I, I just want to point out that the first impression that I had of you is like that you're just like this hardcore badass like totally okay with like throwing people under the bus like I remember walking through the sales school parking lot at the company and um, there was like a ton of Texas book kids that were just like, ah, screw Texas, ah, who needs them? And there was like a, a pickup truck with the the trunk, the, the truck bed just like filled with water bottles. 
and you're just like, yeah, I hope that gets baked in the sun and then they get cancer from all the plastic that leaches into their water. <laughs> Yuck. Um, that, hey, so that's just that's just one of my first memories of you. Uh, um, so just I grew a lot over the years, yeah, much yeah. different these days. But no, like, yeah, I mean, I'm glad you brought that up because I was mean. Like I was a very mean, angry person. Um, and, and for my own, like, you know, we all, we all have our stuff, right. That like brings us to where we're at at any given time. But it's like, I was not, a, I was not nice. Um, and a lot of it was like insecurities and a lot of stuff that would pop up. Um, but really it was just like, I didn't realize <laughs> I had a like RBF, like severe and then also like RBF language. Like, so I was just, <laughs> just like a BF, like big time. Yeah. Um, so sales school was crazy. I remember like just, you know, being kind of stressed and, and, but at the same time, like they do such a good job of getting people excited to do this crazy thing. And, you know, there's a lot of emotions that come from that. And I think sales school was the first time that I was ever really, even though it didn't seem like it, especially to you, cause I had to put on this like strong face, right. Didn't know any better. Um, I was able to really be vulnerable and open, um, with kind of what I wanted in my life. And it was just me out there. Like it was you guys, we were all together, but this was the first on my own experience that I really had. So I grew, had, to, I had to grow. I, I didn't have a choice. <laughs> so, oh yeah. And yeah. I I'm, I'm blessed because you were nice to me the whole time. So, oh yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. Sure. So like no that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> So yeah, what was your experience going to Louisiana, which is like totally different from Iowa, right? Uh, um, so there is definitely a method to the madness with like getting you as far away from your home as possible and getting you to like the most opposite location, right? So even though my organization was in Louisiana, I actually lived and worked in Texas, but it was just like on the line of Texas. So okay, okay. I come to Louisiana and stuff, but I did work in Texas. So um that was really important my first summer being in the South because it showed me that you can be nice to people even if you don't like them. Like, it was just like, it's hard to explain, but it was like, you didn't have to have this tough face. Like you could literally just be like, hey y'all, like, <clears throat> how's it going? You know, like, let's do, you, even if I don't like you, do you, do you want a water? Like, do you want a bottle of water? Right. Uh, and so I think, it's not that I learned how to be fake because that's definitely the vibe you get down there in quite a bit. Um, but I definitely learned just like how to, I don't know, like how to still be a really kind person, um, but be able to kind of, you know, just tell, you know, like, it's okay. Like we don't, we don't have to sit at the same table. Like it's okay. If that makes sense. It's kind of a weird lesson to learn, but it was definitely one I, I picked up on. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, when you're talking to 3000 families, <clears throat> cool families and not so cool families and everything in between, like you, you get to understand like the core of what drives each of us, mm -hmm. you know? And then you just like develop like, not just the empathy muscle, but like you're talking about the actual skill set of just putting your own ego aside and just being like, hey, you're still a person, right? Let exactly. me be nice to you. Uh, Cause there's plenty of people who are like, you know, deep down, they care about people in general, but they just like have so many different triggers that pop up and keep them from being actually nice because they're unconscious to it. Um, and that's, that's the crazy thing about selling books door to door is you're in this big fishbowl, everyone in the community knows of you, and you're selling something, right? And so you have to be like, okay, whatever, I'm going to be nice and happy and smile and yeah. all that good stuff, right? 
Yep. I, uh, I think um, my RBF was like permanently altered after my first summer because I had to smile so much. I, like you couldn't, you couldn't not smile. If you didn't smile, you got slammed like boom, you know? So I think that was, it, this sounds like such a superficial lesson, but it was so important to me when I was, you know, 19 or whatever, like I just didn't know any better. And so that was a big lesson. It was just how to put it on, like how to, how to actually enjoy where you're at, even if it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> any any like standout stories from that first summer yeah for sure so one of my favorite ones that to this day I I remember was um so I got to so okay uh this would be a stereotypical story sorry um but like so the area I was working I you know I had a car so I was lucky I got to drive around and actually do some country work and stuff so I ended up in this country area for a little while and a lot of single wide trailers like lots and I remember pulling up on this house and they had a big like turnaround driveway. So I just pulled right in and I ran up there and knocked on the door. And as I'm waiting, I just have this like smell. And I was just like, interesting, like this might be an outside sit down, <laughs> like interesting. <laughs> um, and I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, I don't recognize that smell. I was like, but I know it's animals. I was like, so it's some animal that I've never smelled before. It's so interesting. And so like, that sounds like it's really interesting. But yeah, so knock on the door, she comes out, super nice lady, invites me in right away. We sit down and I'm actually inside. And of course the smell is like times of 11, um, so bad. And we're going through this whole thing. They buy, um, <clears throat> you know, just like the, the CD packs. Remember like the computer? Oh my. (laughs) Those things were so terrible, but they were like just a little back pocket. Like we got something on the board today. Exactly. But the family was so cool that that was all they wanted. Like, and so I'm like, whatever, like if that's what you want, totally fine. But here's the interesting part. So I was sitting in there in this house, smells kind of crazy. There's animals and dogs and stuff, like cats and dogs all, all over the place. But then also I hear like throughout the presentation, this super loud banging sound in the back. And I was kind of confused because I couldn't figure out if it was like a person doing it or if it was the, if the house was banging, like it was a really weird sound. So eventually I got curious and I was like, you know, Hey, um, sorry, what is that? Like, what is happening back there? She's like, Oh my gosh, no, like that's just, um, Olivia. And I was like, so then I got really curious. I'm like, who's Olivia? And they're like, Oh, like it's our monkey. And I was like, what do you mean that there's a monkey? Like a big monkey? Like, is it a real monkey? Like, no, yeah, like here, wait, just wait. And I'm like, okay. So she goes back there and she opens the door and I just kind of peek around and like, shit you not, massive cage, like human-sized cage, which is already concerning, but has like orangutan monkey like in it, in a single wide trailer in this house. And I was just like, interesting, like, also super cool monkeys are my favorite so I was like this this rocks so then I was like can we like get her out is that a thing that we can do and they're like yeah now I'm wearing bright red that day like I remember specifically I'm wearing a red polo which I guess is intimidating which I'm wearing red today but it's intimidating to animals I guess so like they're like yeah but like I'm gonna hold her and I was like sure so they pull her out and she's holding this monkey and I'm like can we take a picture for my Facebook page and um as we're standing there, she tries to grab me. And I was like, whoa. And then she starts beating the hell out of her owner, just smacking her and hitting her in the face. And I was just like, what is happening right now? I was like, it's okay. Like put it back, put it back. So she like puts it back. 
and we continue with the presentation and they buy or whatever. But they come to find out, like she lived in Louisiana and she had other monkeys and they stole those monkeys. And now she moved to Texas so she could have this monkey. It was the weirdest interaction of my life. And in the backyard, <laughs> this it just goes further. In the backyard, they had also collected two bobcats, exotic birds, um, a big like snake, like I don't even know what kind of snake, like a big snake. And then also like a couple of other random four-legged creatures and they were just like living in this this single wide trailer like with not even a double wide no. okay. single wide and so it's not a book story like you know it's like yeah they bought but it's just it shows you like you there is no possible way to be only one way when you're selling books like you have to be okay with random things like that happening um because it would happen all the time i ran into this family who had a pot belly pig that was 300 pounds living in their house so that weird. explains the smell with the the zoo yes. going on in the single wide and i'm yeah. sure that that pig yes. didn't smell too great either it does. yeah That's but crazy. like that was the vibe of texas it was just like you had every type of human possible all in the same city <laughs> Eastern Texas, right? Yeah, Eastern. So I live, I don't even, um, I mean, we were like 10 minutes from the border. Gotcha. So, yeah. Yeah, that's some swampy bayou type of turf right there. Yeah. So anyway, that's the, that's the big one, like that <laughs> I remember specifically. I don't know why that was the most standout one of my first summer. But I mean, I can imagine why. And just yeah. everything that you described, that was like Tiger King Jr. right there. <laughs> Yeah, there was no tiger, but there was a lot of yes. <laughs> so, That's crazy. Yeah. So, okay. So that first summer that was just like taught you how to like just talk with any type of person and put your ego aside and, um, you know, just the, the general things that people tend to learn that first summer in particular. Yeah, um, you had a pretty good summer. It, it was, you know, over 2,500 or something like that. Yeah, I think it was right in the ballpark of 25 or 26. So. Cool, cool. So, of course, Sizzler must have been fun, right? Um, Maybe yeah. not. Sizzler was <laughs> a lot of fun. Yeah, Sizzler was a lot of fun that first year. Um, uh, yep, you probably remember some of it. Well, I guess I actually didn't make it to that Sizzler. To. That one you didn't go to. Um, yes, it was fun. Do you, what do you want to know? <laughs> I don't know. You're, you're like struggling to share anything about it i was just asking yeah sizzler okay so i don't know if you want to share anything about it but well that was the only that was the second time i'd ever been out of the country so it was a big deal um yeah. just in that regard um but yeah i mean sizzler is always fun um just because right. there's like no rules on sizzler yep and i'll just leave it at that. <laughs> 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 yes yeah. it was amazing like i i don't think i think actually if, when I think back to college, Sizzler was my college experience. Like I didn't, I wasn't the person to go out and party a lot or like do all of that. Like that wasn't really my style in college. I was kind of like, I, I would hang out and we'd be like social with friends, but I think, yeah, Mexico was just the place. Like that was just the place to be a college student. So, oh yeah. Yeah. So um, like in that transition from that first summer sizzler and, and, you know, deciding to go for a second summer, like, were you always kind of like, I'm doing this, like for me in sales school, I was like, I want to be a student manager. I want to recruit a team next year, man. Why can't I lead people right now? But uh, what was kind of your take on, you know, transitioning to recruiting and, and everything with that? When did you know you wanted to do a second summer? 
Yeah, that's a really good question. So actually kind of a really cool story. So you remember how at checkout um, for all the kids that were like gung ho, they basically just pushed you into recruiting. Like they had you sit through recruiting meetings and you know, all of that. And then for the kids who were a little on the fence, they had you have PCs with top people to get you to like see reason and stay. Right. So I actually, um, at the end of my first summer, I was not coming back. I was like, I hate this. Um, I was a top student, but I was also like, this absolutely was awful. So I'm not coming back. Um, and I remember they had me meet with, um, Lee McCroskey and I was like, star, like starstruck because he spoke at sales school and he was just the most hilarious but also like the most spot on human like he just was so on all the time like every time you know even if he was you know being funny like his jokes were so real so just a really good person he gets it he's yeah, he just gets it yeah. and so so I met with him and I remember sitting down one literally one-on-one in his office and I was like how did this happen um and I'm looking around he's got books everywhere just like whatever but as we're chatting he starts doing this thing where he like looks at my face and then he looks at my hands, like as I'm, you know, moving them, whatever, like, and he starts like analyzing me. And it's funny because I tell him a story about something. He asked a question. I told him a story and then he's like, oh, interesting. He's like, well, I can see from your face that you have this trait and this trait and this trait. How did that affect you this summer? And I was like, I'm sorry, like, can you elaborate? Like, how did you know these things, right? Like, how is that? And it was cool, because I just remember him, he's like, yeah, I'm uh, I'm an expert at body language. And I spent a lot of time understanding how people show up based off of what they're actually saying with their body. And he's like, and I also, um, I'm really good at reading like um, stress lines, like on your face and on your hands and stuff. And I have never met a person like this at this, at this point in my life. I remember being so blown away by that. And I'm like, I don't know what you have done in your life, but I want to know all of that stuff. Like I want to understand, and it's not even to profile people. It's simply to realize like that, that habits and and tendencies show up on your physical body. And I thought that was so cool. And so, um, I remember just being really blown away by that. And I was like, if he learned if, even if he exists here and I could be in his space, like I'm coming back, but then also how do I get that sooner? Right. So then I kind of asked him questions about that. And he's like, well, you know, you learn this by working with a lot of people and by like experiencing people in their natural state. And from that, I just, I remember that conversation really clearly because I was like, I just want to do that. Like, I don't know what I'm going to be doing someday, but I know I want to do that. And so um, I was still a little hesitant coming out of that meeting, but that was a big selling one for me. And then I got to campus and was still really dra- dragging my feet. Brandon was like, come on, just like bring, just bring a friend, like just bring a friend. I'm like, no, mm-mm. but I was the academic advisor for my hall that year. So I had to hold these uh, office hours where people would come and I'd help them with homework or we just like sit and do homework or whatever. And one day good old Kane Quick showed up to my office hours and total stud, total amazing human being. Shout out Kane. Shout out to Kane. Like if you haven't had him yet, he gets to be on here. Um, Mm. But I, I definitely was like, you know, if anybody gets to sell books and break their belief barriers, I'm like, it's this guy. And for some reason it just was like, Hey, you should come, come check this out. And then damn it from the beginning he was in all the way and I was like damn it like I can't bring you and then not come out and so Kane is the reason I sold for two summers um but him and then you know we built like a little team and stuff that that year but it was definitely Kane and just 
him, yeah, just being so gung-ho for it. And also I had to kick Trent's ass, you know, that's just kind of how it goes too. But we could talk about Trent another, maybe later too or whatever, but. (laughs) Well, excuse me, Uh, Trent sold for two summers or just the the first summer? He sold for two, um, but I'm, I want to say, I was it just, he was either two or three. I think okay. it was definitely two, but I can't remember if he did for a third summer or not. I think it might've just been the two. But yeah, you, you two were like neck and neck rivals. I remember this now, it's coming back to me, like going into that second summer, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was like, well, so our first summer, he's the only reason I sold books. I forgot to tell you that. So like, ah, I was, please. You know, like Merkel was cool. Brandon was cool. But you know, the whole cult thing really freaked me out. And I remember like, my grandpa who I held at such a high regard um, was like, don't do this. It's a cult, like not safe, had printed out documents of reviews and like presented them to me of like why I should not do it. So it was a very like conflicting decision. Um, But I remember I was standing in my dorm and Trent was walking our halls, handing out like these little things. And he came to my door and I was like, Hey, I like, are you, you're in Southwestern, right? Like you're going to do that thing. He's like, yeah. I'm like, just curious, like, uh, does it bother you that this could be a cult? And he's like, eh, he's like, I'm just going to do it anyway. Like, even if it is, it's fine. And I was just like, what? Like, does it bother <laughs> you? Like, that doesn't stress you out. Um, and so I think him doing that, it, it's weird. It's like, when somebody realizes that something is so easy, then it's like, you just do it, right? Because um, you can always leave if something, if it was a cult, and they did make us drink real Kool-Aid and stuff so so from there though we were always butting heads and um and really trying to beat each other and then uh, I had to end up selling one week less than him and I still beat him by like a good good amount Um, (laughs) yeah and then uh so that was a big deal so coming into our B summer we of course were neck and neck with first years too he had a really really sharp top girl first year and then I had Kane and but Kane was number two so worked out pretty well that's right (laughs) Was it, was it Fallon that he recruited or? Yeah, he was my roommate. So like, I, I, I wanted her to do really well, but I also was like, can you have to beat Fallon? <laughs> like, and, and was uh, Kane Trent's roommate or he was with Brandon? He think, lived with right? PQ. Yeah, he lived. And I think actually Eric Boyson, which I don't know if you remember him, but he was, he was oh, a yeah. cool, quirky Southwestern guy too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Gosh, throwbacks. This, this is great. I know. So. I know. Um, that first summer w- was in Texas. That second summer, you just like it was pulling teeth, but yeah, yeah, accidentally got a good one in Kane. Um, and how was your second summer? Did you grow? Did you like stay the same? How did your personal experience in Louisiana actually go? Yeah, so Louisiana was where I was actually my second year. It was weird. I did Texas, then Louisiana, then Texas and Louisiana, just like back and forth. Um, but yeah, so I actually had my, it sounds awful, but I had my best summer my second year. Um, it was kind of downhill after that, but my so second So awful. You are your units, Whitney. I know, oh. my value is only my units, right? Um, so no, but like, you know, my second summer was awesome. I remember I was like on fire that summer. I, and I didn't even, I've never been like a top, top producer when it came to like my units, but my mentality and my excitement for the job and my vitality, like when it came to being on the doors, like was definitely the highest my second year. Um, and it was fun because like I was, you know, had a little bit more responsibility. I was doing PCs, helping people. And right. um, so it was cool. But my second summer, my whole motivation was um, to beat Chris, which didn't happen, 
but like I really wanted to be Chris. Um, but uh, but yeah, that was that was my best year. Cool, cool. And uh, you had uh, a first year be number two in the company, right? Kane, he yep. did extremely well. He beat your first summer. Um, so that must have been pretty satisfying. You're like, oh, Kane, thank you so much for being awesome. Um, yeah. Got a good thing going. So what, what about like that transition in, from second into third? Because at that point where you're just like, okay, I'm going to be here for a little while, you know, four summers is a whole year knocking on doors. Um, how, how did that transition go? Yeah, so that one, not good. Um, and, and it was actually for personal reasons. So the literally the month going into sales school. Um, so my grandpa had been sick and I told you, you know, he was like my dude, my yeah. homie, like he was my favorite person on the planet. And when he, um, <clears throat> he'd gotten sick and we kind of knew it was not going to turn out the way everybody would wanted to. Um, but the timing was just not great for my third summer. So he actually ended up getting really sick and passing away, um, mm -hmm. on, uh, April 19th. Um, and then we obviously went to sales school like May 4th or 7th, like that next like two weeks later. And so um, huge, huge blow to my family. So like the emotional state that I was in was not good, <laughs> um, not good going into my third summer. And I remember thinking like, okay, well, I've got a team, small little team, but I was like, I got a team and I, you know, need to do this. Like I need to go out and, and do this and like, I'll just work through it. Um, because that was what everybody told you to do was just to work through it. And actually, now that we're talking about this, now I remember, um, that was where Trent and I actually, our, our life paths kind of changed because his dad passed away the exact same time period and he did not come out for the summer. Mm. And I remember thinking the whole time I was there, I'm like, I should have just did that. Like I should have just stayed. Cause like my grandfather was kind of like my dad, you know, growing yeah. up. So, so, but I, I came out and I pushed through and I did it. Um, and I finished, it was not, I mean, I still had an okay summer. Like it wasn't bad, but it was like, not good. Like, you know, I, fire for life. I was like, this sucks. Like I hate everything about this. And every time I would run into anybody that was like him, it was very emotional and very, very difficult to, to get through. But, um, but I guess to a certain extent, I'm glad I did it. But I think that was one part of Southwestern that I was bummed about was that, you know, we had this only like work through it mentality and there was no like self-care really around it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that was a big start to my end of my career with Southwestern was just like, I get to realize that life is going to happen and I can't just put it on hold because I have to go to work. Like I, I do get to handle this because otherwise I'm going to show up like I did my third summer and it was awful. Like, yeah, really traumatic awful. even. Yeah. A little bit. And, and really just because you weren't there, like I wasn't there with my family to, to grieve together, which not everybody needs that. Right. Not everybody needs to do that, but that would have been a huge thing that would have helped a lot for me. Um, so anyways, I think the lesson there was just to honor myself and like realize that I do know best when it comes to like that part of life. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think the one thing that Southwestern is amazing at, and this is a reason why it has the track record of success that it does is that it kind of gives people this sense of like golden handcuffs kind of, and that sounds unpack awful. Unpack that. I've but, heard that phrase before, but unpack yeah. that a little bit. Yeah. So 
So Southwestern, so don't get me wrong. I would, I would never trade my time with Southwestern. I loved it. I, even the, even that summer, that third summer, I needed to be there for my own growth. And the funny thing is, is I actually met my now husband there. Like I'm like, if I wouldn't have shown up that summer, like I would have never met him. Um, so that's, Shout out, Alan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's the thing. Like I, that's the only reason I was supposed to be there that summer. So it's like, I would not have given up that time, but the golden handcuffs thing, like the idea of that is it's like, you can't leave. Like you just can't go because everybody has their own thing. You're either motivated and you stay because it pays for your school. It's the money. The money's really good. You stay maybe because you know, it's going to boost your resume. And, and that's really, really good. Or you stay because you fall in love with the people and that's, what's really good. So really it's like, there's, this and there's so many more reasons but there's like this yeah there's this feeling of like such terrible conflict of when is it my time to go and when do I get to stay and do this longer and so I think that's been the trap that I've fallen into a couple of times is like and it's not bad you know I'm what like I said I would never regret what I've done and I'm still working with the company now so like I don't regret that but I definitely I do think that that's why Southwestern works so well is because it's, it's designed to have all these reasons to stay, um, which makes it really, really hard to see reasons to go. Um, even if there are some really glaring ones for yourself, you know, like in your own, your own experience. Um, case by case basis, if you will. Case by case basis. Absolutely. Because that's the thing, like there's so many amazing people that like their entire life, they, they worked for Southwestern and they are so happy. And that's all that matters is like, where do you find your happiness and where do you find your joy? And um, so it doesn't matter where you find it as long as you're true to yourself when you find it and that's your goal, right? To a certain extent. So anyway, so that, that I think that was like, when I started to realize that was like, you know, are my reasons for staying true and big enough to do that? And, or am I starting to kind of fool myself a little bit when it came to the book field part? So yeah yeah and there's so much more that could get unpacked about that right this is yeah. only such a you know so long of an episode that we're willing to have here right? absolutely yeah but, uh yeah so that third that third summer put a, a lot of perspective of like hey you can be miserable by following through on a commitment like oh yeah i'm gonna come out and sell all the books this summer and then you're just like ah oh, this sucks like i'm not selling all the books i'm selling a few books and um, yeah. you know, leading some people. Um, I remember that would have been 2015, right? Um, there, that, that was kind of a, a dramatic summer for a number of people um, in and around Texas and um, from the force. So um, yeah. what, what got you to do it again for a last time? Oh, Nick. See, this is like where the crazy comes in. This is okay. where the like, and I'm talking like, this is where your you you like lose reason a little bit is mm. when you feel like you don't have anywhere else to go. So I, <laughs> so I was like, I was like, okay, okay. Third summer, like awful, never doing this again. Once again, never doing this again. Right. And it was cool. Cause it was actually perfect timing for me to get out. Like I should have just got out um, because I was graduating early. So I graduated in the, the winter of 2015. So my summer ended had one semester left of school. And then I was like, you know, free agent. Um, didn't, didn't do it. I, I corporate recruited for that last semester. 
And it's interesting because I was the skinniest I have ever been. I had no money for food, no money for resources whatsoever. So I literally lost so much weight. Like I remember looking at my my recruiting pictures when I was working with kids. I, I had recruited, Brandon and I recruited together. So we actually had a pretty big team that year. Um, but I remember like looking at myself and like, I have no meat on my bodies, like none. Like I was living off like pickles and tortilla, like tortillas, like that was, and like peanut butter. That was like what I ate. Um, and I remember being hungry, like the whole All time. The time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, so anytime we had like campus events and there was like pizza, I was like, oh shit, like <laughs> eat the food, you know, <laughs> sustain my body, my life. Um, so I remember that. And I actually, it was really a, a difficult year because I was, um, I was just struggling a lot with like, is this really what I want to be doing? And I knew like recruiting's never really been like, I love talking to the people, but the sales side of that's never been my favorite. Um, and just in general, I think it started to make me realize that I was going to school for a different thing on purpose. I didn't necessarily want to be in sales. I didn't want to be in business. I wanted to work with people and help them, you know, grow in, in their own like interpersonal life and relationships. And so that's what I got to do as a recruiter. But then the the selling part came again when I had to like go back out and sell books. So I, uh, uh, sales cool. Ah, 30 yeah. demos. Ah. Yes. So <laughs> just kill me just kill me I used you know and this is like awful but I've heard so many people we talk about it, it's like you, you visualize what it would be like if you just crashed your car and you visualize what it would be like if you just broke your leg um crazy how and, common that is yes and it's like thank god none of those happened um you know thank god but it it was just like very like that's where you get to that's when you know you get to go is when you are having those thoughts because it's no longer healthy to be in that space and so I um that was where I was my fourth year. I was just like, this is the most miserable thing I've ever done. (laughs) So, but it had nothing to do with Southwestern. This is all, that's the thing to keep in mind. It's like, I made the decision to be there. It had nothing to do with Southwestern. The the mechanism and the the vehicle has been the exact same for the most part for this whole time. It's simply your attitude and how you're showing up while you're there. And I was not in the space to be there. So I got out of there. I was like, after my fourth year, that was it. I was like, I'm so sorry. Like, I can't do this anymore. It's not good for the people around me. It's not good for me. Like, I gotta go. And um, that was how I got out of there. So you're just like, hey, bye. No, thank you. Appreciate <laughs> I mean, it. I finished. I this was. I mean, I finished. I still hit Sizzler. Um, so like, you know, I did it. I did the thing. But I was like, I will not be doing the thing again. Thank you. Like, I did my four years. Like, thank you. <laughs> I corporate recruited so I can say I did that I'm done thank you oh yeah you did all that uh, you checked a good number of boxes for sure yeah 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 I remember uh because you know we had our same fourth summer um you know also hit sizzler dr was super rainy that week I remember when we were there um and it was crazy like Mitch Johnson fell off of a, a balcony or something and like broke his arm that was crazy he like landed on a guy and the guy broke like a rib or something yeah. and the guy was like getting married I think that yeah that's right it was crazy for, like, wedding yeah and we were just like what just happened like you just <laughs> fell off the roof <laughs> oh that was crazy I forgot about that mm-hmm. oh yeah oh yeah shout out Mitch yep, yep. yeah hey Mitch that's funny. I actually worked with Mitch you know two years or three years after that at Vivint um I worked with him mm-hmm. for that year so 
love that guy. Yeah, let's uh, let's talk about that transition out of Southwestern because you've you've definitely had your experiences in different industries and jobs, just like myself. Um, no shame about it. Um, it's you know we're highly employable people and we employ ourselves pretty quickly when we're like oh, anything other than 80 hours a week please you know uh, <laughs> i can make what money doing less all right cool oh, i'm sorry i only have to do the, the average amount of work to make right. eight times the amount i was making okay um <laughs> no it's like uh yeah so the transition was actually really cool so i um cool and kind of emotional because it's sad like you don't want to leave the people like like you know coming onto this podcast I'm like what stories do I even have because I you know I didn't have a 10,000 unit summer or something but the the true ponies that I had in Southwestern were like finding you guys like finding all of the humans that are just in my life now like I like I have you know I have a Trent Schulte in my life now I have a Kane Quack in my life now I have an Alan Benson in my life now I've got a Becca Werner and I've got you know all of these amazing humans and a Nick Tiverti of course I have all these amazing people and at the end of my career with Southwestern when I was looking back on it I was like you know what my golden handcuffs 100% were you guys like I did not want to have a life that did not involve friendships with you and and I think that um, even though it was definitely drawn out and for my own reasons, I should have left earlier. Like if I had, I don't know if I'd have those same types of relationships that I do with you guys. And so, so I'm grateful that I stayed and I'm grateful that I have all of you because you, you were worth it. All of you totally worth it. Um, I gotcha. Yeah. So, so <laughs> when I was leaving though, I, I was definitely, I was a bit emotional. I remember I met with Mark Rao and <laughs> And Mark Rao is an interesting fella because he's so genuine, but he's also really intense. So like you kind of have to read through the intensity and know that he's like coming from the heart, but it's a bit okay. intense, you know. And I remember sitting down. Very and convicted. Like, what? He's very convicted. Yes, absolutely. Like, yeah, man. Like he's like he's he's Sammy Southwestern, like to a T, right? Um, and so which is his job, so it makes sense. So when I was sitting down with him though, I remember he was telling me, we were going back and forth. I'm like, Mark, I, I can't do this anymore. Like, I'm so sorry. I respect you. I respect the organization. I will never have a bad thing to say about Southwestern that has, like, I would never say don't do Southwestern. I will always say, do it, do it at least for two summers and get, you know, try it out. Um, he's like, okay. He's like, look, he's like, you got so much more in you. He's like, you can do this. He believed in me so much, I guess. But then he was also like, but you know, if you don't want to do it, that's fine. We'll get you a little, a little nine to five job and you can just do that. Oh my God. I was so pissed. I was like, how dare you? I was like, how dare you say that? I was like, that's a good job too. You know, I was just like so upset. And I remember thinking, I'm like, I am hell bent on making a nine to five work. And so I, I was like, that's not a bad thing. Like that's not a bad place to go after you do something like this. Um, I was like, so I'm going to do it screw you, you know? And so I went and I met with Hans and I was emotional and I was like, Hans, you got to get me out of here, man. I'm like, you gotta, you gotta get me a place to work. Cause I can't do this anymore. And he's like, Oh, he's like, go to the October meeting. You know, you'll be fine. You might want to come back. I'm like, and I started crying. I'm like, no, I'm like, you don't hear me. <laughs> Hard, line. Hard line. I was like, we're done here. Like, he's like, okay, okay. I remember his eyes got big. He's like, okay, okay. And so, cause you know what I mean? I'm like, I, I get pretty like, no, like, um, so anyway, fast forward, literally on my way home from, from, um, checkout and on my way to my mom's to like go visit before I go back going and figure out what I'm going to do next. 
And I get a phone call from Hans and he's like, Hey, I have a job opportunity for you. So it was like literally like a few hours or like maybe a day or two later, um, he called and was like, Hey, I have this thing. And it was actually with GEC. So the sister company, um, and What's it that was stand for? Uh, global educational concepts. So yeah. shout out to GEC because they really caught me hard when I was like falling from the grace of Southwestern. I was like, I gotta, I gotta get out of here. And they, they did, they, they caught me, which, um, Two years later, you know, it was pretty evident I was not in the right place. Like it was not a good fit for me because it was a very admin heavy job, but it was a perfect transition spot for me. And I got to learn a lot of skills and or organizational skills that I wouldn't have gotten otherwise. Cause you know, you can't go from like an 80 hour a week, intense direct sales job to like admin and be okay. You just can't, it actually will kill you. <laughs> <laughs> I can attest. Don't try it. Do not try that at home. Not Fair good. enough. Yes. So GEC, you were there for how long? I was there for two years. Um, well, like oh. one month short of two years. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And um, amazing humans. Like literally once again, like the people were, I'm like the job alone. Fine. Whatever. That was great. I, I did do some cool things with that, but like the people were super cool. And I got to travel to the Philippines a couple of times to do some international recruiting over there. And so yeah. I got to visit the land of my grandfather, which, cause he's Filipino. Um, so that was pretty neat, full circle. Um, and you were in Nashville for that? Yep. Lived in Nashville. So gotcha. mm-hmm. working so, at the company, but in a different oh, yeah. building or like different part of the building. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And so you were at Fred Landers Plaza pretty much every day for work. Crazy. Yes. Um, yes. It's like PTSD <laughs> every day driving up that, like, you know, really steep driveway. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Um, what would you say about that experience kind of got you in the headspace of, I need to get out of this. Cause it's not the same flavor of intensity that, you know, books is, and, um, you're, you're helping high schoolers, right. In different countries, get access to, to come to America. What was your, I, t- tell us a little more of what your job was there. So my job, so I was, um, I was an exchange program coordinator. So basically think of it as like um, an international exchange program. So it helps international students get jobs and internships in the States so that they can come here for a period of time and then be able to you know, go back to their country with like accolades of working in the States. So it's like a big deal for them. And um, like, but the, the thing is like, they take like the, the jobs that nobody wants here, but it's like, they come and they do this and it looks amazing for them when they go back over there. And plus they make a little bit of money and they can take it back. Um, so definitely a cool opportunity for the, for them, but it was mainly college students I worked with at the time. Um, I was doing Southwestern interviews actually. So I was actually interviewing the international students who were coming to the States and I was hearing about their experiences, um, the, the experienced people, like why they wanted to come sell books and all the new people. And it was crazy because the Southwestern mindset had translated over to there so like dramatically. And so basically hmm. I would interview these kids and um, you had like a list of questions and I interview them and I would say, Hey, so, you know, why do you want to come over here? And if it was a new student who had never been here before, they're like, well, my brother, my cousin, my, um, my uncle, you know, they all sold books. And then they're like, so it's my turn. Like it's my turn to come sell books. And it was just such a different mindset for the students over there than it was for our kids here who we basically had to like, you know, convinced super hard like this is good for you right but over there it's like no this is amazing so actually that was really cool to hear that perspective because I'm like man they really truly see this as like their best option and it is you know in a lot of cases their best option because the money that they make here is like 
significantly more than they would ever make over there in a summer job. And so, um, so it's a big deal. And so, but I remember them talking about like how Walmart was like their, their highest thing that they were excited about was like, oh yeah, I, uh, I love Sundays because we go to Walmart and Walmart's great. And then I remember, I remember uh, there was this one, uh, this one student that I interviewed and he was like, his top thing that he was most excited about was like Taco Bell. Like he could not wait to go to Taco Bell. I mean, <laughs> you like, oh. Taco Bell. I was like, oh honey, like there's so much better options than this. So <laughs> I was like, okay, like if that's what you want, like enjoy that, like have those tacos, man. Like six pack and a pound or is that six pack and a pound is that a taco bell thing no that's a taco john's thing anyway i was just like enjoy your tacos right like it's fine so i did that for a number of years just a couple years and um there was it was just very slow growth over there i needed more growth i needed like faster exciting things to look forward to and they didn't really have that at the time they have it now like gec is an amazing company and anybody that's listening that is like i want to get into international relations or i want to work with students like you know from abroad i'm like you need to call gec because they're literally amazing it just was not a good fit for me um because i needed to be with people and I was mostly in an internal office with like no windows and pushing papers around. And it was very sad for me. <laughs> like, that does sound a little, a little no, no yeah, windows, pretty sad stuffy, right there. A little stuffy for me, but yeah, but it is a great, a great company and they're doing an amazing thing. So cool. yeah. And so it was like 2018 that you wrapped up there, right? Uh, yeah. Yes. Yes. 2018. Mm-hmm. And then you wound up going where tell us more it's been a few years since 2018 so yeah dude okay so so this is where my life gets weird okay so southwestern was like weird in its own bubble but Uh then like after southwestern was like its own weird bubble so i moved to florida on a fluke because i my time with gec ended suddenly so you can imagine what that was like so ended very suddenly and then i was like i got to figure out what I'm doing. And so I was effectively like, I had a house and had a place to live, but like I had no money coming in and no resources, like nothing. So I was like, I got to find a job. So you remember Steve Thiden? Oh, of course. He's episode number five. No, no. Um, he's episode 10 or 12 with Josh. And Andre. Yeah. For all the listeners, for those of you who remember Steve Thiden, uh, I, you know, from that episode. Um, so he actually was living in Florida and he was working for Vivint Smart Homes, which you obviously know, cause you eventually uh, worked there as well. Um, uh, just, just a week so like, checking it out. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he like invited me to this and this is like actually before I had like transitioned away from GEC, he invited me to do MITT and that changed my entire life. Dude. Oh yeah. Changed my entire life. So like, have you talked the second, about the second cult that we both share? Oh my God. Like I'm a cult jumper. <laughs> For real. Like, so Southwestern was a big one. So, oh, yeah. And then Southwestern family of companies is one. Mm-hmm. And then, cause it's different, it's slightly different. And then you've got Vivint and then you've got MITT and then you got Southwestern family of companies again. So it's like. Cults, baby. Cult, baby. Cult. They got me. <laughs> yeah, I was in Girl Scouts too. I mean, like, if Trent never made like his comments about Southwestern being a cult of like, ah, that's fine. I mean, it's just what it is, you know, yeah. then you would probably never have done any of these cults, right? Trent is my like, 
I can't tell if he's like the reason my life is amazing, like, cause it is like, I have an amazing life or if he's like, he changed the entire trajectory of my life and I could have had such a different life. <laughs> <laughs> Better, <laughs> definitely different. Who knows? So, right? I don't know. Right. Um, so that, so that's the thing. So I, uh, yeah, so I did Vivint. It was, I was like, I got out of the admin job and I was like, I need to have another intense experience. And I literally considered coming back and selling books because I was like, I, I didn't like it, but I knew that that would kick my ass and I like could get back into it. Right. Challenge and grow yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then I found Vivint and they pay like extra, not like massive amounts more, you know, per sale. And so I was like, okay, well like, let's do this. So I met Steve, um, through the whole MIT. I mean, I knew him in books but like he invited me to do MITT changed my life my heart was like wide open after that I was just like an emotional love bucket which is when yes. my, what um for for those listening you know book kids and otherwise that don't know what MITT is stands for mastery and transformational training um yes. you know Tony Robbins-esque like you know break your belief barriers like understand what makes you tick inside and it's a really uh, it's like two back-to-back programs they have their basic training and their advanced training where you like figure out first what's like what's wrong with you you know like what are the stories that you keep telling yourself that totally the box don't you live in yeah. yeah and then uh the advanced is like how do you break out of that and empower yourself to you know take control of your life in a transformational sense um you know i, I personally did that also recommend it life-changing total cult um, all those great things, but, uh, yeah. Um, so you did that in 2018 then? Yeah. So I started that process in 2018, um, March of 2018. And I ended up, I actually played the legacy program as well. So I did level three of that. Yep. So I went all the way from basically hardcore focus on self-development trans transformational work from March all the way till August, which is when I graduated LP. And so naturally, um, you know, I had to make the decision throughout that, like, what is my life going to look like? And I think that's why there was such a big transition out of GEC. Cause I was like, I, if I don't go, I'll stay here and I won't be fulfilled and I won't be adding value to people. And so like the way I want it. Right. And so, um, so that was actually a huge catalyst. I mean, that, that entire thing changed my life. And so naturally, because Steve introduced me to that, I trusted him fully with like my next career path. Cause I'm like, he gets it, you know? So like I moved to Florida and, um, Jacksonville, to- right. Actually, we were living in Orlando at the time. Okay. So they're in Jacksonville now, um, but they were in Orlando. And it was interesting because I, I was, I had like this pull, like I knew I had to go to Florida. Like I knew I had to go. So this was the part of my life when I started truly trusting my intuition and my gut more mm. than my head. Because I think with Southwestern, I was very stuck in thinking about like always thinking like, where do I need, to, what's my next logical move versus where, where do I get to be? Um, and this is actually probably the biggest lesson that I could even bring to any human, which is just like, you guys have to realize, we all have to realize you have a gut feeling and an intuition for a reason. And you need to be able to know why it like where it's taking you and just trust it. Like, regardless of if you truly understand it or not, like if you have a feeling, you just have to follow it. You just do. And so, um, so this was one of those things, like I, I left and I went to Florida, um, drove through the night, drove 10 straight hours, like, but it was overnight. Cause I was, I was like dragging my heels leaving. I was, I was just like, I, if I leave, I'm not coming back. Like my entire life is going to be different. Like I, am I ready to leave Nashville? And so I finally left and got on the road, drove through the night. Steve is a, like an angel. He talked to me on the phone the entire time. So that I wouldn't fall asleep. Like amazing human. He's just like playing his video games. I'm like chatting on him. And I get to the house 
and I pull up the sun was just coming up beautiful Florida sunrise like just it was like a movie scene super cheesy but like perfect and I was like shit I'm like what's about to happen like I could just tell like something weird was about to happen but I didn't really know so then I get to the house massive house and I tell Stephen like hey I'm, I'm here meet you outside so he like met me outside and then as he walks out we're chit-chatting I give him a big hug and then I hear the door close of the house again like minutes after we had been chatting and I turn and look and there's this giant beautiful creature standing there and I was like and I look at Steve and I'm like who's that I was like is that Alan Benson (laughs) that Alan Benson and he's like yeah he's like you remember Alan I'm like of course like I like yes he yes of course so then my like the most girly I've ever felt like took over my life because you know I'm like (laughs) I'm like pretty type a I'm like boom 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 and so and I was like huh interesting and I was like that's cool like that he's just here already like I found you like, boom, there you are. So it was weird. Cause it was like, I kind of just knew that that was part of the thing that was like pulling me to Florida. It was so weird. Like I can't explain it. And it sounds super hippy dippy. Right. But like, that was definitely part of it. And so I remember thinking like, okay, cool. Well, um, I'm not leaving Florida anymore. So here I am and I've arrived. <laughs> and so then, um, I went over and I, I like gave him this, you know, big hug and, um, you know, months later after the fact, like I, we were talking about it and he's like, no, I had like the same thought. I'm like, shit. This is a beautiful creature. Oh, that's Whitney. <laughs> no, probably like, who is this hot mess rolling up to my house and like sweatpants, my head is in a bun and stuff. But he was just like, wow. He's like, I couldn't believe you were here. He's like, I, cause we hadn't seen each other since Southwestern in 2015. Yeah. So yeah, it was, it was a cool, cool little serendipity moment, but like a movie, like a movie. Yep. My okay. life's a movie, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So that was um, like fall of 2018 then that you yeah. made that move and got established. What were you like, how did you, it's a summer program as I understand Vivint with a little bit of, you know, prep here and there and, you know, blitz weeks and that whole deal. So tell about your experiences and in, in Vivint. Um, so another door to door job, dude, same thing. Okay. Um, I was actually, this is kind of a cool thing. So Southwestern prepared me for this. This is a good little little aftershock you know thing that I got to do but I was the only girl on the team mm. and so I came into Vivint and um you know like I don't know if you know you know John Rebus um yeah. he's he's like the goat like <laughs> just sells like so just crushes it he's a selling machine he's like he's like a robot I don't know how it works yeah and um and so when I came to to Florida he was like no he's like, sorry, like you're a girl. Like, first of all, you're definitely not living in this house. Second of all, like, um, you're a girl, like you can't sell, like, this isn't going to work. And shout like, out to Kate Wright's episode. Yeah, exactly. Um, he's like, we don't, we don't hire girls on this team. He's like, there are girls in Vivian. He's like, we don't hire girls on this team because they truly distract people and they don't, um, like the guys can't handle it. Like they, like, there's no way that you can be here. It's crazy how that, that mentality pervades even to as recent as 2018. Yes. And I love John. Like, that's the thing. Like we are, we're good friends, you know, at this right. point. Like, Cause you he, proved him wrong, didn't you? Well, so what happened, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So what happened was we were like, so I was like, well, John, I was like, look, just, just let me, just give me a shot. Like, let me try it out because I sold books. Like here's my, here's literally like my resume. Like I had to interview for Vivint, which you do interview, but like, not like that. Like you don't have to prove yourself to go work for Vivint. You just have to be like, I'm going to do it. 
and they'll usually sign you up if you're a guy. And so I was like, right. okay, well, like, let's do this, right? Like, just let me try. I was like, let me try between now and the summer. And if I don't do well, then I won't come out and it'll be fine. And um, so fast forward a little bit. Um, I got all my, he's like, fine, whatever. He like, let me stay there. But he only let me stay there because I paid him. Like I, I paid him rent to stay at the house, which was typical of the other guys. But like, Steve was like, you can stay here for free. But like, I was like, no, like, I'm just going to pay. Um, and so I paid, got all my stuff, got my gear, whatever. And then the first day that I was going out to knock doors with Vivint, I was like, they gave me my turf and um, my little script. And then I was like, okay, I don't know how to sell Vivint. Like, I've never, I don't have any training. I've never been to a meeting. Like, I have nothing. I just have this iPad and like my little steve's t-shirt like that i was wearing because like i didn't have my own clothes and um luckily we were the same size <laughs> thanks steve. Shout out. <laughs> Shout out to you, steve um and so it worked out but then it was like uh so so alan was actually the one who went through the sales process with me like 20 minutes before i had to leave to go knock doors he's like okay he's like so this is how you do this and he like showed me everything he's like this how your ipad like how sales whatever the sales thing is that they use the map the map it's how it works because I just did paper maps with Southwestern you know never had the iPad thing and so I was like okay like I can do this and I remember thinking like I'm gonna do it like I have no choice like I have nowhere to live like this is what I have to do now and so I went out and um you know my first couple minutes I was like okay I'm just gonna review my script for a couple minutes because they drop you off in turf you don't drive there like they drop your ass off and they leave and then you walk around for the entire day and then they pick you up at the end like the only people that drive out are the, the car group drivers and so it's very different than southwestern right. in that way and so I um yeah so I remember I knocked my first door got a first sit down like first door first sit down didn't know how to sell the stuff though so I was just like mm, like I did the whole thing he actually was pretty interested but I didn't know how to close him and so I was like I got to review the script so I literally went and sat my ass on the curb for like 20 minutes and just read the script and then I went and knocked and by the end of the day I'd gotten my first deal and it was like my first day first deal and I called John because my credit like I wasn't able to run credit and you need to do that for Vivint and so um I asked him like hey what do I need to do for this he's like what do you mean and I'm like well I just I was like I'm with uh, Barbara and her sister. They're amazing. Hey, like, I'm like, on the, I'm like, they're amazing. They're so cool. They decided to get it. I just, I don't, uh, my iPad's not working. Can you walk me through it? And he's like, what? He's like, you got one. And I'm like, dude, yeah. Like, what do you mean? Yes. Can you just help me do this? Like, I need right. you to help me. Like, come on, shut up. But he's actually at a manager meeting with the entire manager team, I think in Utah or Tampa, like they were out of town. And so he's on the phone with me and all these dudes around. He's like, dude, Whitney just got one. And they're all like, what? Like, are you serious? And I'm like, yeah, but you guys are gone. Like, I don't know how to do this. So anyway, get through the whole thing. I tried calling Alan, but he didn't answer. So I was like, I, I was just to my own devices. And eventually it got it all set up and they got installed and it was fine. Yeah. And then I got home that day and Alan was just like, did you get one? And I was like, he's like, like, he was just like excited. He would never like do that face that I just did. I did that, but he was just like, good job you know because he's very like stoic in that way right. and so it was just a cool moment for me because I'm like okay I can do this like this is easy this is just like books only a higher paycheck and a little bit more logistics that go into the, the sale itself right. so from there I just started doing it I was just like okay like just basically sold almost every time I went out and cool. um eventually 
you know, got to the summer um, and John was like, okay. But during the beginning part going into it, I was the only girl in the office. So I had to like, I was the top rookie, like multiple weeks or like very close. Like I was in the top 10 or whatever, like multiple weeks. And then the, the one week that I was in the top um, person or whatever was the day that the main guy was there. And he's like, it's like, dudes, he's like, this girl is like kicking your ass. Like, what are you doing? And it was cool. Cause I was just like, fuck yeah. Like, of course I am. Like, I was like, let me hire girls, you know? And so then eventually, um, eventually got to the point where they were like, fine. Like, but like, you're the exception, like you, like kind of like what Kate was saying, like, you're a fluke. Like that's basically how they were. It was nuts. And so then eventually I got them to agree to let me recruit girls. I recruited Elisa kind of like, it was like, I, she ended up being recruited technically by Alan, but like, I told Elisa about it. She came out and then um, we had like five um, girls that on the team that year and and it was amazing. And they all killed, like they all did well. And then um, I was like one of the top rookies and Elisa was close-ish. I don't remember where she landed. Um, but yeah, so it was like a really good summer. But okay. they not where, where did you sell that summer? Uh, we sold in Denver. So <sighs> yeah, that was a super long story, Nick. I'm sorry. But no, I was that's fine. It's your life. You're sharing just your experience. Yeah. And you don't have to feel ashamed for admitting you knocked for a different company, right? I totally did. I knocked the hell out of those doors for another company. I was like, nope. Yeah, bye. But, but I couldn't have done it if I wouldn't have sold, you know, like with Southwestern. I wouldn't yeah. have had yeah i would not have been able to be the only girl in that room they're they're bros yeah they are so there's so many bro door-to-door like cultures and groups that it's like the hardest thing for me to ever be a part of because i personally did north star instead of vivant um the summer before you did vivant in 2018 um and i i quit I straight up was like, this is obnoxious. They, they weren't even teaching me like how to build out the monthly cost for the, the homeowner and everything. And I'm just like, I just don't know what, I don't know what units are, right? I don't know how to build a package. And this is, this is so frustrating. Like I had two sales the first week without even trying. Um, Cause it was just like, I'm not selling books. You know, this is so helpful to, you know, whoever is interested, you know? Yeah. Um, but then I just like, I couldn't handle how broy they were. You know, it's like, you know, you got to be alpha. You, you take charge of your own life. And, you know, they would have like very bro humor of like just shitting on each other left and right. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm coming from a completely different sphere where we're like build each other up all the time, you know. But uh, yeah, I, uh, I didn't have the same success and that's fine. I've totally become OK with that. But like I, I'm intimately familiar with the, the bro door to door sales cultures and I hate it. Um, there's a bunch in the solar industry, which have tried to recruit me away from my job. And I'm just like, I've been there, man. And I refuse to go back. Um, cause I feel like I sacrifice a good chunk of my soul or whatever, just being in that, that sphere. So how did you, um, after that first summer, you brought some, some ladies in the office, they all did pretty well. And, um, what was kind of like the, the story from there on out? Well, I got married. <laughs> <laughs> So that ended my vivid career because no longer was I okay working with Alan in that capacity. Like, because, and you guys, and I think a lot of, um, this is a a struggle that maybe some women experience when they're in a space like that. Um, at least I know I did. I had a hard time. It's like, you become the people you you become like the people that you're around and you spend Mm -hmm. the time with. And as a 
as a strong female presence, it's like, I can only offer so much femininity to a room of hundreds of men, like to, to where that will shine through all the time. So like, for example, if I got a three day, like there was one day I got a three day, actually there was one day I got a five day, which is sick. I was like, that was my best day of my life. Um, three sales, five sales. Yeah. yeah. Five sales, which is which is pretty good and vivid. Like that's, that's huge. Good. And I, uh, that was a big day. And I remember coming into the, the office the next day and they were like, how many did you get? And I was like, and they're like, and they freaked out, which, cause I'm like their little sister. So like they freaked out and they were so excited and they were like launching me in the air because that's what they do. <laughs> and I just remember, I just remember I was so in a bro state where I was like, yeah, bro, like we did it. Bro. And I was just like, ew, like, that's not me. Like, that's not what I want to be. I mean, I want to get five sales. Hell yeah. But like, also I'm not a bro. And so pair that with like, also my husband's in the room. Probably not. I'm like, I don't think this is going to vibe for very long. And so I powerfully chose out of event going into my second year and um, became a massage therapist instead. So I did for like 30 seconds, but you know, it's, it's just like, I needed to get into a different space. So, so that was um, your first summer was in 2019 in Denver, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yep. Funny enough, that's when I moved to Denver right after that yes. summer, um, mm-hmm. same area that you were knocking into. Um, and then going into 2020, right. Pandemic, this and that, everything's like, yeah, unhinging. Um, I remember that was when we last spent time in person was, um, I think that was after this, the 2020 summer that you made a stop in Denver or was that before the 2020 summer? It had to have been, I don't know. Cause I remember you talking to me about going to massage school and had the pandemic happened yet though. I don't think so. I don't think it had. I honestly right? can't recall. It's uh, maybe it did. Maybe it was. Other. Yeah, I don't remember. Right. So I don't, I don't remember masks. I think it might've been either. like January, February. I don't remember. All anyway. I know is, um, so we moved to Denver. We lived there the whole summer of 2019. And yep. then we moved back to Florida for, you know, the off season. Yep. And then we actually moved from Florida to Nashville. Mm. So at some point, actually, you know what it was? it was during the, the pandemic travel because I stopped in Denver um, yep. and it was just me. So it was actually during the pandemic. It was right as, or right before they were locking everything down. Yeah. Um, so yeah, things have been a little crazy since then, but. Um, Cause you were connected to Southwestern in that trip. You were yeah. helping build out their high school coaching program with yeah. Will Elliott and uh, his, his fiance, uh, Kate Har, Katie Har um and Shane Blick and those so like are you still involved in that like how did you you know massage school you're not really big on that anymore it sounds like so tell tell us about 2020 and how that treated you so yeah I guess okay so let me just let me just say it like this so my entire life I enjoy every possible opportunity I can imagine like like my goal in life is to do all the things like I just want to do everything because I love life and I love learning and I love knowing people and like building networks and stuff so I after Vivint I went and did massage therapy school I'm a licensed massage therapist but I did that because I wanted to understand how the body works health wellness is like my top priority when it comes to what I plan to do and like the longevity of my career and life is all going to be around health and wellness so I started with that, got certified there. During that time, I got hired as, or I was in, I was interviewed and hired to be 
um, the student coach. So I was actually a program ambassador and student coach, still am, with Southwestern Consulting in their student division. And this is a little plug for Students Edge. Students Edge is amazing. It literally is helping so many children and their parents. And I don't even want to say children, like young adults, like people. Like we work with kids from middle school to middle of the, like in their 20s. And it's just life skills. It's everything that we learned in Southwestern without having to go and kill yourself on the door. Like just literally simply put. Okay. Cool. Um, but then also it's a really good space for kids to build a community and know, and they think they have a coach. They have somebody that they work with. Right. So I was doing massage school during that. I was also coaching through that. And then after that, I randomly got a job as an insurance agent um, with a startup company that company got dissolved. So then I started at a different insurance company and that insurance company got dissolved. And then I got, and then I got um, offered a position with a third insurance company, which I don't know about yet. And then I also got another job offer. So it's like, dude, go sell books because this will give you like all these opportunities. But like, yeah, I plan on just being like a, it's going to have like so many notches on my belt by the time I die. Cause I'm just going to have like all these things I did but it's kind of fun. It keeps life really interesting. So Put, putting your hands in all the different arenas. Okay. So, um, what, uh, what is Whitney up to this year? I mean, 2020 was its own year where you got into insurance. I also got into insurance last year. Um, and, uh, I was like, man, I need to get back into my own passion, which is sustainability, you know, uh, solar. And that's where I'm working at with Enlight. Um, but like, what has you're in St. Louis, you're married, um, you've been a part of different insurance agencies. What, what's, what you up to now, girl? What's your, what's, what's Whitney's next chapter? Yeah, it's crazy. Right. Um, so I was really hoping and I had set my a goal for myself by the time you and I had this conversation that I would have my life semi figured out. Is it even um, quarterly figured out? It doesn't have like, to be semi like moderately figured out so but here's the thing so a couple these are like this is actual words of wisdom that I would like bestow upon any human being right it's like okay so we have a really long life but it's also a very quick you know like I'm already in my late 20s and I've done a lot more than a lot of you know maybe people my age could say they've done as far as the traveling and like seeing the world and doing these things but also like so much of life is spent in an unhappy state if you don't truly follow where your heart is leading you. And so when I say my life story to people and say, oh yeah, I've done this, I've done this, I've hopped around, I've done all these things. A lot of people are like, you're crazy. Like you are not setting yourself up for anything. But what I'm truly doing is I am just really following my heart. Like I'm following what is important to me and that is excitement and, and, and adventures and also just meeting so many people. I I've got like a super cool network of, of humans that like, if I was in Australia, which this happened last year, if we were in Australia, we've got people we can stay with in Australia. I have family awesome. there. We also have like friends that I met in Europe, right? If you go to, um, I, have, I have somewhere I could say in, in Asia, I have somewhere I could say in Africa. It's like you have, it's just different. It's like, it's a different way of life, right? And so what I'm doing now is I'm, first of all, you know, diving full into health and wellness. And I don't just mean like, health, like eat right and exercise, but like the whole experience of life, like where does your joy come from? Where does your happiness come from? And, and how to not sell out on what is 
what you want because of what society is telling you you should want. And so, um, and I think that's kind of a movement that a lot of people are in right now, especially with the pandemic. Like we've, so many of us have um, lost jobs or gotten out of jobs or, tra- or traded industries or moved around or mm-hmm. moved to work, whatever, because we had to, because that was part of it. But I think it's been such a gift to a lot of people to be able to reassess where they're at and say, okay, do I, am I on the right track or should I really, you know, consider uh, something else maybe? And so, so what I'm doing right now is I'm coaching girls, you know, like we do girls with girls, boys with boys with the student coaching. So I coach, um, right now, 17 girls, um, just of my, you know, my own little, little practice. Um, that's that's really cool. Yeah. They're all really cool. Um, they're super cool and they're all in their, in their own walk, which is what I promote the most with my coaching is like, just because I did something a certain way, just because your parents did something a certain way doesn't mean you have to do it that way you do what you what's going to make you truly authenticity love it um so that's first and foremost but then also um on friday uh, i got offered a position with uh with student coaching that's slightly different than what i'm doing now so in the contemplative state for if i'll be rolling with that um or if i'll be doing something else so that's where i'm at I'm, i'm also enrolled in a health and wellness um, coaching certification program. So I'll be technically a health coach by the end of next year as well. So really cool. So you're just helping people lock, yeah. unlock that deep sense of joy that they have buried within them. Like there's so much about the peace and um, the, the sense of like homeostasis, if you want to get into the biological terminology of like, everything's okay, right? I'm not, you know, at odds with my environment where I have to like hide and you know depression and anxiety is just like this lie that um believes that you know we're not all right you know um and so that's that's ultimately what you're helping people unlock is that you know that part of us that's always been there and will always be there um if if we feed into it right if we grow it intentionally so that's that's really cool that's that's your full-time focus right with those 17 um awesome girls that you're coaching and um those are all like high school age right and younger and older so it's pretty pretty good spread there a very big spread i mean i've got it it sounds crazy but i've got them in girls in every single time zone that i coach so that's different and then they're all different ages so from middle school all the way i think my oldest girl is maybe 22 or three um so yeah i mean and that's not very much younger than me so but it's cool like it's cool to be that person for them um Keep you on your toes, right? (laughs) Yes, they are like, there's something else, man. Um, Like having kids, but like nice because I can turn the camera off and go home. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Um, But yeah, you know, I I just, I think that it's really important for people to realize that the longer we're in states of stress and, and, and unsettled, energy and space like we're just creating a lot of disease in our own bodies and we don't mean to obviously but that's that's the natural way it's going to happen is if we like if you're in constant conflict with where you want to be in life and where you are in life what you want to be doing and what you actually are doing if that's if that's conflicting you're not only creating stress like you're also creating literal hormone changes in your body that's like creating disease in your body so it's like ask yourself, okay, if I could do anything, if I went to sleep tonight and I woke up tomorrow, my most ideal, perfect life, where would I be? What would I be doing? And who would I be with? It's like, ask yourself those questions. And then, and then 
after you know what that is, what's your baby step that you can take today that's going to get you even remotely closer to that position? Because, you know, we get like, don't get stuck in the golden handcuffs, no matter where you are, no matter what your job is, no matter what you're doing, don't get stuck in those because they're not real. Um, what is real is, is that vision. Like, what is it that you want? What's going to make you feel fulfilled? How can you add the most value to the humans around you because of your natural God-given or universe-given passions or, or skills? Or, you know, it's like, what can you be doing um, that's going to really, really, I don't know, make your life worth it, right? Yeah. Um, cause damn it short. Mm. So. Dang. Anyway. Yeah. Well, shoot. I, I wish you all the best in that journey of, um, you know, taking forth, it looks like a, a brand new role, right. That you'd be stepping into more or less. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's like a, yeah, it's a spinoff, but it's like a brand new position that exists. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, I, I know that you're the type of person who would be best for it. So, uh, with all these experiences you've, you know, kind of put your hands into now that you're, you know, really making a difference in, you know, 17 individuals lives and, you know, being able to step up, you know, multiply that impact girl. You got this, Whitney. I believe in you. Thanks, Nick. Thank you. You got <laughs> it. Yeah. <laughs> it'll, it'll be cool. If anything, I just like really enjoy living life and having a lot of fun. Right. That's the okay. goal. Mm -hmm. So, well, uh, yeah. So I'm not sure if, you want to end this episode here pretty soon with the pony story or set of pony stories. I know that uh, you talked about the different kinds of stories you could share to close out your episode here, but uh, yeah, maybe it's, you know, not even a story from the book field, whatever you want to share, you feel compelled to. Um, we can do multiple stories. We can do one story, whatever you're feeling. Oh my gosh. So it's hard. Cause it's like the stories are so, Leading. um they only I mean, happen I, once right what they only happen once yeah dude they do um i mean i could tell you some okay let me ask you this you want a book field story or do you want a real life like like a, a real life do you want a life outside of southwestern story what do you what do you think so this has been a really good episode to you know really like you, you gave a ton of really good stuff outside of your book field experience um, and so honestly, I, I want to be selfish and ask for both, right? I'm not sure if you have two that you would be willing to tell from yeah. real life and from, you know, the crazy hyperbolic time chamber that is selling books door to door. Um, how about yeah, we do okay. the books first and then the real life second? For sure. For sure. So, okay. So the book stories that I have, so I, I won't do any like, uh, and then they bought necessarily stories yeah, yeah. you guys get a lot of those but I will say one that's totally off the wall that um when I think about my time in southwestern it is it stands out to me um so there was this time okay I can't remember if my, it was my third summer or my fourth summer um but I was so I'll, I'll do two stories here I've got one good one of like totally weird and then I've got a good one that's like a pretty good ender and that's kind of how we can wrap it up if you want so so okay not a good headspace. I was just doing the, doing the thing, you know, like sometimes you just get into that headspace where you're like, I'm just driving and I'm going to knock. And then like, whatever happens happens. Right. Yep. So, <laughs> so I remember this particular time. Um, I was this Texas, Louisiana, second, summer, third, no, 
I don't even remember. This was, was in the arena of selling books. Gotcha. Southern states of the United States. I was there. Anyways, so I was like driving around and I remember that, um, you know, because I had a car, I liked working country a little bit because it was a good break from the, the monotony of just like knocking and, and moving. So I was going around this area that was pretty, pretty country had, a, there was a lot of swamps. So it had to be Louisiana. So that must've been, must've been my last summer. And, um, I got through and I, um, found this area that I was like, because I didn't want to work that day. I was like, this seems like the best place to like work, but not actually be having to do anything strenuous because it was like just a dirty, like bad backwoods kind of scary area. So I was like, perfect. like this is perfect for where I want to be today. And cause I'm going to meet some really weird people here. Right. That was kind of my goal. And so I, I was going along and I, you know, I was knocking and there was this really kind of cute little house that that might have actually had kids and so I knocked on the door and I'm talking to the people and they they didn't they were like aunt and uncle they just had toys so there's like not actually a good buying situation yeah. and so they're like but you know listen um they're like if that's what you're doing it's pretty cool they're like but you you're kind of wasting your time in this area there's not a lot of kids here they're like the only family that has kids is actually up on the hill and like you can't really see the house from the road because of the overgrowth of the trees and stuff they're like but it's right up there so if you keep driving um you know you'll eventually run into you can't miss it i was like okay so i was like thanks for the advice right so then i was like going along kind of gauging if they were telling me the truth or not and i'm like people don't live in these shacks like there's no people here so like the person was right like there's no people they were like run down trailers like could have literally been like drug houses like like not good oh spooky yeah, but it was also like that's where I wanted to be that day. <laughs> so <I was> like, <laughs> <laughs> Exercise some demons, right? Yeah, I was like, this is just where I'm at. So it's fine. So anyway, so I'm like, but okay, but there's at least one family that has kids. So I'll go there and like, that'll be what I do. And then I'll turn around and go back to like a normal neighborhood. So I'm like going and I'm driving and I get to the area where I think is the driveway and you can't see the house, but you can see they're like the person I told me that if they're home, the gate would be open, but if they're not home, the gate would be like locked and shut. So you can't get in. So when I got there, the gate was open, but there was a big no trespassing sign on it. So I was like, well, I gotta be careful here because you know how that goes. And so I was like, but I'm gonna just circle it around a couple of times, gauge my confidence and be like, okay, screw it. So then I was like three seconds of courage, let's do this. So as I look at this driveway though, it's very clear that it's meant for like big trucks and SUVs and like, like bigger vehicles. And so, because there's like waist high grass on either side of it. And if you yeah. go off at all, you'll be like, you don't know what's under there. Like it's, it, you could just lose your vehicle. Think, yeah. so I was like, gotta be careful. So here I go in my little 2011 Kia Soul down this road that I should not be on. And I'm like, it's going to be fine. I'm like, I'm the book girl. They're going to love me. Like, I am so nice. I'm so kind. I got my like purple polo on. So like, let's do this. And in my Kia Soul window, like, um, I had my book girl license plate. Do you remember those where you yeah. had like stick them on the front? So I put them in my window instead of on the front so that people could see it all the time. And I get up to this house and as I'm creeping, I'm about like a quarter of a mile into it at this point, there's no place to turn around. And as I'm pulling up to it, I get that feeling that everybody gets at least once in books. And I'm like, this is not where I get to be right now. This is this not safe. Is not safe for me. And I'm like, and I'm like, I have nothing to protect myself if I need anything. So like, I need to turn around, but because of the grass, like there was nowhere for me to turn around. So I was like, okay, um, this is going to be okay. Like, it's going to be fine. I'm just going to go. I'm going to, you know, hopefully they're nice. Maybe it'll be like a cool pony story where like you know they'll be fine and then they buy no they'll be fine and they'll buy something 
because it's me like I, you know. so I get all the way up there and as I'm like creeping up I see the two-story house the top of the house has like a big balcony where like you stand or there's whatever and at the balcony up top are these two massive dogs big black dogs um I want to say Doberman maybe something like that like big dogs but fat so I was like and I pull up and I'm like okay I'm like assessing it I'm like can I pull can I turn around should I be knocking like what am I going to do here and as I pull up to where they can see me too mom and dad come out of the balcony with with the dogs up there and instantly pissed that I'm there which I'm like cool and here I am hey like I'm hey book girl can you see that like what's up <laughs> letting them know that I'm like safe and not gonna harm them because I don't want them to harm me and so I'm like hey but like very scared and I like roll my I'm like hey like I'm the book girl are you the dad here to the guy and he's like fuck in your car turn around and get out of my yard and I was just like I was like okay I was like totally cool I'm like do you know who I am <laughs> I'm like, I, can hey, I guess you haven't heard about me yet. <laughs> Literally. I was like, have you heard about me? Like so-and-so told me like, I'm the book girl, you know, I'm like trying to get them to chill out. And as I'm trying to like get them to chill out, mom comes out, she's pissed. She's like, get the, you know, telling me, get the F do this, go there, whatever. And as I am like getting almost out of my vehicle to like explain what I'm doing so that they don't freak out. Um, she's got a gun on her hip and he does too. And I'm like, clearly not where I'm supposed to be. Um, but it was one of those things where, you know, in Southwestern, they're like, still go for the demo, like always go for the demo. Oh, you got to like, get your 30 demos in. 30, and I'm like, I'm nowhere near 30 today. So I'm like, I'm going to get this one. I've come this far. So then I'm like, okay. I'm like, don't worry. Don't worry. I'm just the book girl. I sell educational books. And I'm like explaining this to them as they're standing above me with guns and Dobermans. And at this point they let their somebody opens the door and the dogs come out. And so I'm like, okay, like clearly we're not doing this. So I took the book out of my backpack and I was like, this is what I'm doing. I'm like, don't worry. I was just, it's cool. I'll cross you guys off. Like, no, not a big deal, but I got my demo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Got the demo. And so I like put it in here. I'm like, Hey, I'm so sorry. Like, and at this point they were like, you're stupid. Like you're an idiot. Which at the time I'm like I'm an idiot. Like I need to get out of here. <laughs> but I'm also like this is just what you do when you sell books. Like I'm, you know, it's fine. Sometimes you gotta be a smiling idiot, right? You do. That, I was like, you can't shoot a smiling idiot. Come on, right? And so, at, but then at this point, I had started to disarm them. They were like a little less freaked out, um, and they were like, okay, like just go. And I'm like, no worries, I'm going. But hey, really quick question. And he's like, what? And I'm like, can I turn around in your yard? <laughs> and he's like, he's like, what? Yeah. Oh yeah, totally fine. Yeah. Just turn around. Super <laughs> calm, super nice, nothing. And I was like, okay, cool. Have a good day guys. Give me a wave if you see me. And I like got in my car and turned around and left. And as I'm going, I'm like going, like trying my best, but I'm like, I just know deep down in my heart, I confused the ever living shit out of those people. They have no <laughs> idea. To this day, they have no idea what this little 20 year old girl or whatever what was doing. What was what she doing? Was she doing? <laughs> and to this day, I'm like, wow, like that could have gone so different. <laughs> there are so many people that are just like thrown off. Like yes. there's this college kid from the other yes. part of the world. Did you say you were from Iowa, Iowa plates? And um, all that? I had my front license plate on. So it was like my Iowa license plate. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they were yeah. just like, what in the hell is this person doing? And it was perfect because it was like, in that moment, I was like, you know, 
like this job is just hilarious. Like you can't, you cannot hide the fact that this job is utterly ridiculous and hilarious and super scary at the same time. Like it's oh, yeah. just, it just is what it is. And so I think it was just one of those little pocket stories that I think I'll always have of like, I felt super unsafe, but also totally warranted because I put myself in the worst possible position I could have ever done. Um, oh yeah. All demo, you know, got the demo. All for a demo, let's go. Yep, got the demo. Um, so there's that one. And then uh, to wrap up with like the book stories. Um, so this one was cool. So my last summer, I definitely was done. You know, I talked about that with you, like at the beginning, I was so done. I was like, I can't do this anymore. Um, and I was a full-timer, so I didn't have any school to get back to. So like, I kind of knew that this was my last time, like whatever happened out here, you know, but I didn't have anything to get back to. So I wasn't in a rush. So I got to the end of my summer and I was not happy with my results. I was just like, you know, that I earned these results definitely, but this isn't how I want my last summer to end. Cause then I'll have reason to come back and I don't want to have a reason to come back. So like, I need to do something about this. So my last, uh, so my, my organization all wrapped up, everybody got done that summer though. There was a super terrible, like, like I'm talking like almost historically bad flood in Louisiana right. and, um, Brandon and, and a lot of our organization that lived in like that area of Louisiana, all of their books were destroyed. Cause they were like in storage units or garages that were flooded. And so like thousands of dollars of books just completely lost. And, um, so it was a pretty big slam to like our neck of the woods. And so I was lucky. I didn't work in an area that had had to deal with that. It was a lot of rain, but th that was it. And so, but it got to the point where at the end of the summer, I'm like, I got to do something because my summer sucks and I feel really bad about everything that's going on down here. So luckily on my second summer, I had lived with a book guy in, um, in Louisiana that was like the epitome of book dads, like just like woke up positive affirmations, only had coffee on Saturdays, like just really good human being. And he was also just so happened to be the coordinator of the Louisiana marathon in Louisiana. So like anybody that's looking for a really good marathon to run or half marathon do Louisiana, because I did the half marathon down there with him, um, after my third summer or something. And it was awesome. Like he, they put on a really, really good race and it's a beautiful run. Um, and so, but anyways, because he was the coordinator and he had been since the inception, he had all of these like thousands and thousands of extra t-shirts that, um, they had left over from the years past and that nobody bought, bought or got for doing the, the race. And so I was like, I got to do something and I need it to be impactful. I need it to not be anything that involves me making money. Like I need to give back in some way. Otherwise I'm going to want to come back and sell again. And so I organized it where my entire organization left. I stayed back for an extra, I think two weeks. Like it was definitely a full week, but it was like an extra two weeks, one for selling, one for delivery yeah. style stuff. And everybody was gone and it was just me. And I lived with that host dad. So it was a different host family than I had lived with during the summer, but I moved there, got turf in that area. And then I decided that I was going to go out and sell for a week and all of the money that I made, whatever that week, I was going to donate to the flood relief in Louisiana. And then I was also going to organize it with Southwestern where they would match me mm. however much I made. And then however many books I sold, and we would donate the books to the school and we would donate the money to the organization awesome. um, or like to the flood relief. So it's like, this is just the only way I can justify this summer is if I end like this. And so I went out there and I was like, okay, like we're going to do this. It's going to be awesome. 
And I went out and I sold not, it wasn't a crazy good week, but I sold around 300 units that week of just books, random things. <laughs> And then ended up um, donating that same equivalent amount of books to the local schools that had lost everything. Yeah. And then also raised about, it wasn't like, like, again, it wasn't that much, but it was like $3,000 or like some, some amount like that and donated it to the flood relief. And the cool thing about that though, was that at the same time I partnered with my host dad and we also he gave me all those t-shirts yeah. so after selling books i'm also handing out clean clothes to all these people who had no clean clothes mm -hmm. and so it was awesome it was like the best two weeks of my southwestern career because awesome. i didn't have to think about me at all i was just mm -hmm. helping other people and it was awesome and that's where i just that's where i committed to my first half marathon was with him that that week because he was like he taught me how to properly run proper yeah. form cool so yeah, so that was cool. And, um, and Southwestern was amazing about it. They, they matched me like nothing and they were like, yeah, this is perfect. This is what we want to do. And so, um, got to hand it to them for being very, you know, forgiving. For, well, say what you want about Southwest. Anybody can say what they want about Southwestern They They have their heart in the right place, like 99% of the time. Right. And they are not shy to give back and help people as long as it makes sense. Right. As long as it's a like a reasonable request. And so you got to hand it to them. That's a pretty cool thing because not very many big companies are maybe like that. So it was neat. That's a cool thing that you did that Whitney. Yeah. It was fun too. So crazy. Have you ever been in a flood zone before? Nope. Um, it was like, I've never seen destruction like that in my life. It was crazy. That is pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, so really cool that you did that. That's right in line with Whitney that I know, um, especially, um, you know, just every time we were in contact here, you're always pouring your heart out and, you know, being a, an uplifting spirit. And uh, that's what you brought to this podcast. Um, you, you, you mentioned like a life story. I'm not sure if you have one last thing that you'd want to share. It's up to you. I mean, the only life story, I think, I don't know, Nick, I want you to give me like a genre of life and then I can- No, 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 no. Yeah, I mean, we, honestly, like that that story of what you did um, with the flood events, that's that's awesome. And um, it, it, it reminds us um, listening um, that we should probably, you know, put our own selfish needs aside and actually do things for other people to, to bring that sense of completeness, right? I mean, it allowed you to, to move on from the Southwestern book business because you're just like, okay, I'm doing something good for, you know, people outside myself, outside my goals. Um, and not everybody thinks that way. So thank you for being who you are, Whitney. Um, it's, it's been awesome to have you on the podcast. Um, we'll definitely have to get you back with like Trent or something or, or BQ. Oh, that would be cool to do a dual podcast. I think that would be a lot more fun because uh, like my stories, I feel like are just, you know, they drown on after a while. <laughs> it's like when you're, you know, like, I don't know, man, Southwestern people, I think is just the, that's the thing they do the best. They do people the best um, because they really just let people create their own way of being that is still super successful, but also they just, they facilitate that growth, which is pretty awesome. So you can't, can't knock them for that. Oh yeah. When you get 
a manager, a mentor that's like, hey, be yourself, right? Don't try and be someone different, you know, and you can really step into who you are in your best version of yourself. I mean, there's nothing like in the world. Um, and there's there's no one like you in the world, Whitney. You're yeah. awesome. Yeah, I got yeah. to say there's no one like you in the world, Nick. Like you are oh, the yeah. only human like you that I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, and I'm grateful. So but anyway, um, thanks for having me on here. This is awesome. Uh, you know, and I, I can't wait to tune in and listen more often to your podcast. Oh, yeah, please, please do. We've got some pretty exciting guests coming up. Um, so I'll kind of read off the, the upcoming schedule and um, then give a promo uh, plug for our philanthropy this month. Um, but yeah, um, this next Thursday, this upcoming Thursday on the 28th, we've got Heather Dutton. Uh, she sold books for a number of summers. She's married to a bookman, Jorge Vargas. So Heather Vargas, I don't, I don't know what she's doing with her last name, but uh, um, I, I don't really know her too well. I, I met her a few times in the book business. We're excited to uh, Andres and I both be on that episode to hear what she's got to tell because I've heard that she's she's a very opinionated person when it comes to the Southwestern experience. Um, so we'll see how that plays out. Um, and then a week from today on Halloween, um, Naomi, our producer, <coughs> our producer is going to uh, read through some some stories with Andres and I on the air um, that are just different, all about different ways people had fun on the book field. Um, our previous guest, Alex Soto, wrote a book uh, with someone else, um, just kind of like recounting tons of crazy stories from the book field. So that'll be fun to, to laugh at. Um, so after that Sunday, we're starting uh, the month of November with Robert Clare. I'm probably going to do that one in person because he actually lives here in Gainesville, where I'm at. Um, and then we're going to have awesome people like Rebecca and Patrick Samuelson, uh, Rebecca Hyde, right? Um, and then Alex Black, he's who I work with every day out here. Um, he's going to be a fun one, November 11th. And then um, this this random person, Claire uh, Mikulak, um, I think that's how you say her name. We were connected through Instagram and I noticed that she had like a ton of the same uh, book friends. I'm like, did you sell books? Oh my gosh, you should, you should totally be on our podcast. What are you up to? So that, that was kind of serendipitous. And then uh, we've got Grant Greeter the week before uh, Sizzler uh, happens with folks. So it's going to be like a Sizzler themed episode and that's going to be real fun. So um, ask him about, <laughs> never, never mind. I'll, ask I'll him about what? Ask him about ask what? Him one time on Sizzler, Grant. Um, it was like right after him and Sarah got together, he was, he must've been drinking cause he had a, a little pina colada like on it in his hands. Like, yeah, the waiter said he's got a penis colada for me. And now I'm concerned. So ask him about so that. He remembers that. Oh yeah. I'll definitely ask him. That's so funny. Uh, I was like, oh God. That's so funny. Yeah, well, uh, we, we've got some awesome people uh, lined up uh, for the coming months. In fact, we're booked out uh, for, through much of December. Um, this has been an awesome joy to, to really see this grow with Andres and I and Naomi and all these awesome guests. Um, small plugs, right? We're going to be having um, all of our guests as well as you know our audience, as long as you're an alum of the Southwestern Advantage book door-to-door program you are invited to bizzler right business sizzler get your get your networking on let's bring this network to life instead of just like you know recruiting kids yeah we've got an awesome network you know it's like what even happens after that you just kind of like stay in touch with people you worked with 
and then maybe make new friends along the way. But we're going to really do it up in Playa del Carmen um, this next August. Um, so we're going to have potentially two weeks, two separate Bizzlers um, for when people can make it um, this next August. That'll be real fun. Um, check out our Instagram. We've got links on our page there for that. Um, as well as links to our philanthropy, uh, Real Men Wear Pink, um, where we're raising funds to support uh, patients of breast cancer, men and women, right? Women are particularly um, at risk for uh, breast cancer. Um, and so they have a lot of costs involved in going through that diagnosis and treatment process. Our recent guest, Kirsten, has a, an episode that talks exactly about that, Kirsten Lewis. So some of the funds that we're raising are, are to help out what she's going through as well. Um, so please send you know funds along if you've got ten dollars, twenty dollars, a hundred bucks, three hundred bucks. I mean, write it off on your taxes and just feel good about it, you know. Um, but yeah, this is what this month of October is is dedicated towards, and uh, we've had an awesome slate of female guests that uh, we've got a few left. And Whitney, you've been an awesome one. Thank you for. Uh, spending an hour, 45 minutes with us. Um, it's been a pleasure to, to reconnect and can't wait to see you again. Whenever that happens next, it'll be, you know, an absolute joy. So um, yeah, thanks for being on Whitney. Thanks for having me, Nick. And tell Andres I'm sad I missed him. Next time, if I come back, I'll uh, be sure to have you both here. Would love oh, to heck yeah. With him too. Oh yeah. He's in Austin watching some really fast space, uh, spaceship level, like speed cars on a, nice. on a track in texas yeah he's hanging out with some book folk there but um anyway <laughs> thank you all for listening to the ponytails podcast episode number 61 my name is nick taverti your co-host andres was gone for the weekend and we've enjoyed a lovely episode with the whitney armstrong out of st louis and uh we'll, we'll catch you on the next episode we are signing out thank you